0: I want you to close your eyes and imagine that video just did not happen because we're not preaching about David today. For those of you that don't know how we teach around here, we teach in what we call series. We look at different subjects. We break them down. And we've been in a series about David and looking at the life of David. And today was supposed to be a real heavy topic today. We're going to talk about coming back from your greatest failure, and we'll be talking about that next week. I just feel like sometimes you need to call an audible, and sometimes you just need a reminder, if you will, of how good God is. Somebody say amen today. Let's be honest. It's been a crazy week. I feel like I almost jinxed this. On Monday, I posted this meme on Facebook and it said buckle down it's going to be a crazy week it said it's the first week of time change it's full moon and it's Friday the 13th little did we know that the end of the world as we know it was upon us to quote REM and yet here I am I still feel fine man it is a crazy time to be in our society it's a time of uncertainty it's a time of fear it's a time of panic it's a time of even those of us who maybe Trust God and know God's in control. It's still a time, even though we put that front on, there's a part of us that worry about the uncertainty in those times. It's just one of those times where our faith is tested like ever before, and we live in a culture that loves to spread fear, they love to spread panic. Now listen, in any situation, we should use discernment, and we should use wisdom, and we should be smart in all situations, but nothing good ever comes out of operating out of fear over operating out of faith. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy, it says, for the spirit of God does not make us timid, he gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Another translation says, he does not give us the spirit of fear, When you're walking in the power of God, you can walk in the assurance that God is in control. Now, here's what I don't want to mislead you in that area. That doesn't mean we're not going to go through hard times. That doesn't mean things might not get real bad. But at the end of the day, whatever happens, God is in control of that situation. And this is the time where the church needs to operate in power Needs to operate in love. What love means is is very simple. It means you're not knocking somebody over the head with a bottle of wine over a roll of toilet paper. Somebody say amen. amen. If you cannot wipe your butt because you have no toilet paper, call us. We might have a secret stash here at the church and we'll give you a roll. Man, when did our society become so fearful that we're freaking out over toilet paper? But that's the world we live in. That's what happens when we live outside of the assurance and that peace that passes all understanding of the fact that we serve the God who's in control of everything. Today we're going to call an audible. I'm going to preach a message I've actually preached before. But I feel like it's probably more relevant today than it ever was. Because sometimes you just need a reminder of how good God is. I, God's one of those things, and I, and I hate to say this, and I, I hate to say we have this mindset, but sometimes in our life God is out of sight, he's out of mind, we're so busy with the tyranny of the urgent that we just forget where God has brought us from. We almost, and I hate to say this, we get to the point in our life where we take God for granted. But the Bible says, as I love speaking of David, I love what David said in the Psalms. He said, Psalms 40, he says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud, out of the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. In a crowd this size, people could stand up all day long, and you could talk about how good God has been to you. We serve a good God today. We serve an on-time God today. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. In the midst of craziness, he's still God. In the midst of the valley, he's God. We got those tables situated over there. We good? We're situated. We're good? Don't be sorry. I'm just making sure you're comfortable today. God's good when they're moving the chairs around. All the time. time. Man, people could all day long stand up and talk about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. You could stand up and talk about how in your darkest hour, God reached down and picked you up. But then all hell breaks loose, and for whatever reason, we seem to forget about that. We forget about the fact that when we didn't know God, God knew us. That's right. But as good as God's been to us, like I said, we tend to have this tendency to forget the goodness of God. We tend to trust God as much, don't miss this, we tend to trust God as much as our comfort level allows. God, I trust you with my marriage. God, I trust you with my job. God, I trust you with my children. Some of us, God, I trust you with my finances. God, I get your job. I don't know if I trust you when there's toilet papers running out. I need to go freak out. God, I trust you, but man, I know I need to go fight four people to get some ramen noodles. We go into freak out mode. I, God, God I, I trust you. And even though there's a virus sweeping our country that has nothing to do with our water supply, God, I, I trust you, but I got to go buy some cases of water. We trust God at the point where our comfort level allows us to trust God. We, we remember God when we need God. We remember God sometimes when things are good. But when things get crazy, for whatever reason, we tend to operate in our own power instead of the power of God. And here's the good news today. That's nothing new. It's been happening all the way throughout this book, all the way back to the children of Israel. The children of Israel were God's chosen people. And yet over and over and over again, they would forget the goodness of God. And God would have to come along and remind them of just who he was. God would have to come along and remind them that he was God and they were not. God would have to come along and remind the children of Israel over and over and over, I'm God, I'm not surprised by what's happening. I'm God, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm God, I have the hairs on your head numbered. I'm God, I feed the ravens, I'm going to feed you. I'm God, I, 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 I clothe the lilies, I'm going to make sure you have clothes. I'm God, and I'm in control. God had to come along every now and then and remind them, hey, when the world was nothing, I was God, and I spoke it into existence. God had to come along every now and then and remind them, hey, That God is the same God I am today. Matter of fact, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes we need a reminder of who God is. I get we're a white church, but somebody say amen. In Isaiah 45, it's one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. God addresses this with the nation of Israel. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. It'll be up here on the screen. And God just comes along and kind of reiterates himself to something. How many of you are parents? How many of you, when you tell your children something, you expect to tell them one time and them to listen? How many of you, as parents, when you have to tell your children something two times, it's about to get bad? How many of you, now this doesn't happen in the Lamb House, because now when... Pre-Christine, this happened in the Lamb House, because I throw it out there about three times. Christine ain't going to say it twice. They know. Boom. But when you say it three times, things are about to get real, real bad. Well, in Isaiah 45, God comes along to the children of Israel, and one, two, three, four, five, six times, he reiterates the same message to them in one chapter. I think God wanted them to know, here's where I stand, here's who I am, and in case you've forgotten, let me remind you not one time, but two times, three times, four times, five, and just in case you're a little bit dense, boom, I'm going to come back and remind you one more time where you never forget. He says six times I'm going to remind you. I mean, the children of Israel, they're sitting here. They're God's chosen people. They're being blessed, but they forget the goodness of God. And God comes along in Isaiah 45, 5, and he says this. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. God says, hey, remember me? Big G, I'm God. God. Just in case you're wondering, because I know at other times in your life you have served all kinds of other idols, kind of like we do, the idol of money and the idol of security and the idol of of power and the idol of this, he said, I'm God. And in case you forgot, I'm God and there is nobody else but me. Oh, but in case you forgot that, let me come back in the next verse and reiterate that. He says in verse 6, I am the Lord and there is no other he goes a little mumbling in the next eight verses, fills them in a little bit, some, and just in case they forgot because sometimes we forget things. In verse 14, he comes back and says, Surely God is with you, and there is no other. There is no other God. Verse 18. He's making sure they understand the message. I'm a pretty dense individual who's made a lot of stupid choices in my life. Most of those Um, stupid choices are all over social media. That's just the way my life seems to roll. I can be a little thick-headed sometimes, and sometimes I don't learn the first time. It takes the second time and even the third time. But I like to think after getting slapped across the face about three times, I normally learn my lesson. But I might be like the children of Israel where God's got to come back the fourth time. He says in verse 18, I am the Lord, and there is no other Verse 21, he says, and there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There's none but me. I think he's trying to get a point across to Israel that he's God. He's the only God. And that he's in control of the situation. He comes back for the last time in verse 22. He says, for I am God and there is no other He knew the children of Israel needed a reminding of their identity, or or, excuse me, uh, uh, they needed a reminder of his identity so they could remember who they were. Because he's God, and there is none other. He's the Father. We're children of that God. God has got it under control. I want to talk to you today on this subject. Ain't nobody like him. Because we serve a God today, listen to me. I get things are a little bit worrisome right now. I get the unknown is a little bit scary right now. I get that it's a little bit crazy in our society and you never know. And here's the deal, I'm not even sure that the craziness comes from the virus as much as it does from people in the economy. It's a scary time. But we serve a God and ain't nobody like him today. God's not surprised by this. The same God who pulled you up out of the muck and the same God who pulled you up out of the mire and the same God who pulled you up out of the clay, the same God who pulled you up when you were drowning and you were destroying your own life and you were unlovable to everybody but him, that God who picked you up and placed your feet on the solid rock is the same God today as he's always been. He's in control, and we need to get back to where we remember that. We serve a God today, and there ain't nobody like him. Now, I get, if you're watching this online, you're probably thinking, how do they talk there in Canton, Georgia? That ain't proper English, but I said ain't, because there ain't nobody like him. You say, I don't understand what that means. Here's what it means. It means ain't ain't nobody like him. We serve a God that there's nobody like. I just want to give you some reminders today because as you flip through this book over and over and over again, if we could go back in time, we've got Robin over here. Robin works for the newspaper, used to interviewing people and getting stories and pulling out stories. I saw she was at the Waffle House posting it and uh, news outlets all over the country were using her pictures, and how lucky that happened in her hometown. But listen, if she was to go back throughout the Bible and start interviewing people and interviewing them about God, and said, "Hey, tell me what you think about Him," over and over, they'd be like, "Ain't nobody like Him." I mean, if she went back in time and she found the issue, the woman with the issue of blood who who, who just who just came along and touched the hem of Jesus' robe. And because she touched the of Jesus robe, she was healed. And you said, ma'am, tell me what you think about him. You know what she'd say? Ain't nobody like him. Over and over throughout this book, you go back in the New Testament, and you find that adulterous woman and everybody standing around, and the religious scumbags of the day are mocking her for her sin. Jesus comes along and says, hey, if you're without sin, cast the first stone, and they hang their heads in disgust, and they walk away. He looks at the woman caught in adultery and says, you go about your own way. But before she walked away, you said, ma'am, 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 what do you think about him? She said, ain't nobody You can do better than that. A nobody like him. I mean, you go back into the prison cell walls, and Paul's there, and Silas is there, and they're singing praises about midnight, knowing they're about to be executed for their life, but because they're singing praises, the prison doors open, they're set free. You say, hey, Paul, hey, Silas, what do you think about him? They'd be like, ain't nobody I'm telling you, you could go back over and over. Peter has failed. He feels like he's betrayed Jesus. He's out there walking on the sea. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He starts to sink. Jesus grabs him, puts him in the boat. You say, Peter, you just walked on water. Good God Almighty, what do you think about him? He's saying, nobody like him. I mean, over and over and over. You go find that crazy man. He's sitting on the side of the mountain. He's got so many demons that when Jesus cast the demons at him, they go into 2,000 pigs who overgo the shore and drown themselves. You say, crazy man, who nobody wanted He's walking through town. He's got his wife on his arm, his kids on the other side. I remember when you were nuts, man. What do you think about Jesus? He'd be like, ain't nobody like him. We serve a God today. I don't care what disease you want to call it. You can call it the swine flu, the bird flu, the beer flu, whatever disease they throw at us today. Here's the reality of the situation. God's in control and ain't nobody like him. I mean, Mary and Martha bring him into their house. They've raised their brother from the dead. And they said, man, your brother was dead. He came along. He is dead no more. What do you think about him? And they say, ain't nobody like him. I get it scary times today, but I want to remind you today that God is in control. If you're walking watching online right now, you're too scared to leave your house, I get it, but God is in control. We serve a God today. There is none other God. There is nobody like him, The he is the one that ain't nobody like. We need to get over fear today. We need to operate in faith today. We need to get back to remembering that God is still on the throne, that Jesus gave his life for us, not for us to have a spirit of fear, but to have a spirit of faith. And when we operate in faith, God is in control over and over and over. I mean the disciples. They're out fishing at night. They think Jesus has died on the cross. They don't know what's coming. The storm's raging, and here comes Jesus walking on the water. What do you think about him? Ain't nobody like him. I mean, Stephen is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they take him, and they begin to stone him. Stone him, Canton, Georgia. I'm talking about they're throwing rocks at him, not smoking weed with him. Let's clarify that right here. (laughs) Listen, they're throwing rocks at him, and they stone him to death. And Stephen looks up, and he sees heaven opening up for him. He says, Stephen. What do you think about him? In the midst of dying for Christ, he says, ain't no. Body like him. I mean, if you could go in that fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were sitting there and they look in there, and they look in there. And there's three men, and now there's four because God's sitting beside him and say, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, what do you think about him? He'd say, Man, he was in the fire with us. It didn't even burn us. There ain't nobody like him. I mean, Daniel thought his life was over. He gets thrown in the lion den because he refuses to bow down. Daniel, what do you think about him? He's got a lion laying in his head. The only time a cat was never evil in all the Bible, the lions lay in there, possessed of the devil because cats are evil and that cat's just laying there and daniel's petting him saying, ain't nobody like him anybody that can tame a cat is a god worth serving today there ain't nobody like him i mean look this book is all about him it's about an enemy and it's about a hero the first part of this book is somebody's coming. His name is Jesus. The first four parts of the New Testament are somebody's here. His name is Jesus. The rest of the New Testament has one message. Somebody's coming again. His name is is Jesus. It's one story throughout the whole book. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Moses looked at him and said, hey, who do I say is sending me to Pharaoh? And he said, you say I am that I am sent you. You say, what does that mean? It means ain't nobody like him. It means he's whatever you need Whenever you need it, however you need it, when you need it, he's that person. I mean, throughout this book, they refer to him as Papa. They refer to him as Lord. They refer to him as the Mighty One. They refer to him as the Creator, Deliverer, Holy One I Am, Yahweh. We could go on and on and on, so let's just do it, okay, because ain't nobody like him. I mean, they refer to him as Provider, Peace, Righteousness, Judge, King, Lawgiver, Redeemer, Shepherd, the way, the truth, the life, the Alpha, Omega, the life, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And at the end of the day, ain't nobody like him. And some of you need a reminder of that today. It's not the time. It's listen, 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 listen. All over our country, ain't I get it, man? Pastors are preaching on how to operate in fear and all. At the end of the day you just need to remember God is God. You need to get back to remembering who it is that we serve. Ain't nobody like him. I want to point out a couple of things that just some characteristics throughout this chapter. The first thing I want you to know about him is he scouts the trail. He scouts the trail. Ain't nobody like him. Look what it says in Isaiah 45. He says, I will go before you and I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze, and I will cut through bars of iron. Ain't nobody like him. I like the King James Version. It says, I will go before you and I will make the crooked places straight. He scouts the trail. Before you got up this morning, don't miss this. Before you got up this morning, God was already ahead of you, scouting the trail. There's nothing that you'll go through today that he didn't go to yesterday. He's clearing the path. He's ahead of you, making a make. He's creating a path where you can follow. Let me go ahead and enlighten you on something. This might have taken you by surprise. It didn't take God by surprise. God knows what's going on. You say, but the economy might crash. It might crash, but guess what? God knows it won't be the first time the economy crashes. It won't be the last time the economy crashes. Someone said, what if we lose everything? I lost everything 10 years ago and was literally homeless. Let me tell you, it sucks with everything that there is, but it's not fatal. The only thing that's fatal is fatality. The only thing that's fatal is death. That's the importance of the church in the community. We come together like in Acts chapter two and we get through this together. It doesn't mean it's going to be all sunflowers and bubbles and unicorn farts and everything's going to be great. It might mean there's some hard times along the way, but God has went ahead of us and he's scouting the trail. He's clearing a way. He's clearing a way that you might not have ever thought about going through. And he doesn't always take the easiest way. Let me tell you the biggest lie the church preaches to you. The church gets up and says, man, if you're in the will of God... It's the safest place to be. Bull, I'm on the internet. I can't cuss. I normally, I normally get away with murder around here. I ain't going to do it because we're being on good behavior for everybody else that's watching today. But that's bull. The greatest place you can be is the center of God's will. But it's not the safest place. Been in the center of God's will to get you thrown into a lion's den sometimes. Been in the center of God's will to get you thrown into a fiery furnace sometimes listen, the center of God's will, you tell that to a missionary who's over in China, and tell them, hey, you're in the center of God's will, it's so safe. No, no, it's the best place to be. It's the most fulfilling place to be. It's the place of purpose to be, but it doesn't mean it's the safest place to be. So sometimes God's way that he takes us is not the easiest route. You need to get that out of your head. With all due respect to certain preachers on TV, that God loves you, and God's going to get you through everything, and it's going to be okay. God does love you, and it is going to be okay, but it doesn't mean it's all going to be easy. The Bible Says in this world you will have trouble, so don't act surprised when you have trouble. But he's scouting the trail, he's going up before you. What a God we serve! He's a God worth singing about, he's a God worth shouting about, he's a God worth serving, he's a God worth sharing. He goes before you so you can come after. I'm glad to know. I don't have to lead the way in my own life. God's leading the way. God ought to be leading our churches, and all we ought to be doing is following. He scouts the trail. I look back over my life, and it's amazing, over and over and over, where God has brought me from, where God has taken me. The day that I gave my life to Christ... I wasn't even looking for Christ. I was trying to impress a girl. I went to church with a girl. Proof that girls always get you in trouble. She went to this country little church in the middle of nowhere. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again because it's my favorite story. I walked in. there was gold carpet. It's really like mustard-colored carpet. I don't know if you've ever been in that old church. It had the mustard-colored carpet. And they had these thrones on the stage. And I learned later on it was the hierarchy. you got to depend on what throne you got to sit in. And the big man got to sit in the big throne. And sitting in that throne was a five-foot-nothing Cherokee Indian preacher who wouldn't even sit on us, but he sat on his feet, squatted down like this the whole time, in the the throne. I ain't never seen nothing like this in my life. And then this group came out, and I guess they called it a quartet. And if you grew up in this kind of church, I'm not trying to bash it. I'm just telling you my experience with it. Only one person in the quartet could actually sing. But I guess the rest of them had good hearts, I, I, it was weird to me, and they're singing. And I remember the song they were singing. I've, I've shared this with you, and it was a weird song. That I look back, I never heard a song like this in the church. But they were like, "It was on a Monday, somebody touched me." It was, and if you got saved on a Monday, you stood. It was weird. It was kind of a weird church. And then they go, it was on a Tuesday, and I was like, "These people are weird." And I kept waiting for them to bring snakes out, and they never brought the snakes out. But the weirdest thing was this little Cherokee Indian would scream out the whole time they were singing, Bless God, Hallelujah." He'd get up right in the middle of them singing. He's like, Can you imagine me just interrupting film? He'd be like, Well, stop! And he would like, preach, God's good, blah, blah, blah. And he'd go back and sit down. Fans are singing! And that's like, oh, crazy. And this went on for like 45 minutes. It was crazy. These people are shouting and hollering. And they finally leave. And when I tell you, this little man leaped, boom, from there to here. Now, if you've never been in this type of church, they have this thing called a pulpit. I know a lot of you, most of our crowd's never been in church. They had a pulpit. So they preached behind this pulpit. He grabbed that pulpit. He could barely see over the pulpit. He said, "It's not really what he did, but it felt like he was cocking like a machine gun, just fixing to mow everyone down. (laughs) About 75 people there. Looking back now, it was obvious that I was the only one who didn't know everybody. So it was obvious that he was talking to me and nobody else. your Bibles. I didn't have a Bible. They didn't have screens, so I just sat there. I just wanted to hook up with this girl. <laughs> and that man began to preach heaven sweet and hell hot. I'll never forget. You're going to fry like bacon if you go to hell. I'm thinking, I love bacon. And bacon does fry. It's burning me. pop I'm like, I don't want to fry like bacon. And they went on forever. God loved the world, and God hates sin. Literally, I'm not that old. I'm only 43, so this is about 20 years ago. I remember him preaching against the temptations. And I was like, who are the temptations? And um, now I've learned that that was music like Tom and Doug used to listen to when they were kids, temptations. But at that time, I didn't know who the temptations were, but he was preaching against the temptations. And all of a sudden, he said, if you want to get saved and not go to hell, come down. I was like, I ain't going down. Anywhere, these people are crazy. They sang this old hymn. Everybody remember the old hymn, Just As I Am? Well, the way it works is, in this type of church, apparently, is you sing that song over and over and over and over until somebody comes down. The other 74 people had done come down. So after about the 11th verse of Just As I Am, I thought, okay, I don't know these people. I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to press this girl in the process. I'm going down, and I go down, and I thought when I went down somebody would come down with me, but they didn't. And he came off that seat. He said, "Did you come down?" And he proceeded to tell me about Jesus and led me to Jesus, and it was the most amazing thing in my life. And I went home and told my mom. I said, "Mom, I went to church tonight." She said, "You did." I said, "I went down." She said, "You went down." Yeah! I don't even know what that means, Gary. I just went down. There was this table down there. And somehow I got shoved under it, and the preacher was screaming, and I'm going to heaven now. <laughs> he was scouting the trail. God knew I needed to go down <laughs> that night, and he was scouting the trail. <laughs> I gave my life to Christ that night, and through all the craziness I've been through, I still haven't gotten over it. I've screwed up along the way. I've messed up along the way. But I've never doubted that there ain't nobody like him. He was scouting the trail. I know who I am because I know who he is. And some of you need a reminder today that we serve a God there ain't nobody like. You think when I moved here 15 years ago, I thought I'd be in the ghetto of Canton preaching in an old grocery store and getting blasted for having church on a Sunday? No. But we were scouting the trail. God knew what he was doing. God's not shocked by what's happened. Anybody remember the crocodile hunter? Steve Irwin? I love the crocodile hunter. I mean, he was bad to the bone. Man, he, I, I, that's the way I picture God like the crocodile hunter. He's got a cool accent just because just of how I picture my God. And man, he's got a big switchblade, a swing blade. He's just walking in front, of us, hacking and knocking the limbs out of the way, and knocking the branches out of the way. And where there is no trail, he's making trail. said, Hey, come on! I'm scouting a trail. Don't don't worry about up here around this bend. I was there yesterday. It's okay. It might get a little rocky, but if you hang on and do this, you're going to get through it. I done scouted it out for you. You don't know what tomorrow holds, especially with all that's going on today. And I get it. And it's scary. And it's fearful. And some of your hours are already getting cut. And some of you are worried about you're not going to have food. And you're going to kill your kids over the next two weeks. And I get all of that. But God says, hey, I done scouted that trail. I've already been there. Breathe. It's going to get a little bit rocky. You're going to look down the edge and you're going to freak out a little bit. But I already know the way to get you there. I've scouted the trail. God's not surprised. And we don't need to be either. Ain't nobody like him. He scouts the trail. Man. He's up ahead of our life. You know what else he does? Some of you need to hear this today. And i got to be honest with you. I needed to hear this this week. He supplies the treasure. He scouts the trail. Ain't nobody like him. Six different times in this chapter, he says, I am God and there is none other. He says, I go before you and I make the crooked places straight. He says, I take those mountains and I level them where you have a straight path. I'm scouting the trail. But not only that, you need to remember something. God supplies the treasure. Ain't nobody like him. Look what he says in verse 3 of verse, chapter 45. I will give you hidden treasures. Riches stored in secret places, so that you may know I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. God says, I go to places you didn't even know exist, and I give you things you never dreamed you needed. Let me repeat that. He says, I I, I go before you and I'm going to go to places that you didn't know exist and I'm going to give you things you never dreamed you needed. He supplies the treasure. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God's not going to let you go hungry, God's not going to let you do without. He's got this amazing thing he left here on the earth, and they might be all hiding out in their homes all over the country today, but he left this thing called the church. This is the church's shining moment. We go out and we live Acts chapter 2, and we do whatever we can to meet the needs of those in our community. When God calls a man to do something, when God sets you on that trail he's already scouted, he supplies the treasure, he's already written a check, and he's waiting on you to pick it up. Let me just be as honest with you. The fact that this is going out all over, I don't know how real I want to be, but I'm just going to be about as relevant as I can. So I put on events for a living. It's what I do. This is not my paid gig. This is my curse in life. Passion here in the ghetto. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's y'all's curse. Y'all got to deal with me. This is my passion. But I put on events. I put on festivals and I put on wrestling events. And I just started a thing. I'm going to be putting on MMA. I, I do events. I promote concerts. It's just what I do. April is my biggest month of the year. April puts food on our table in May, June, July, August, September, all the way to October when it becomes festival season again. So what happens is about March, all the money from October starts to run out. But it's okay because we eat ramen noodles for about seven days knowing, hey, April's going to be here soon, we're going to have money again. I've added it up and it seems like about about around $50,000 worth of events have been canceled from us over the next month. That's a little bit stressful. I personally blame David and Sierra for making me take that financial peace class and decided I was going to get my finances in order because when I decided to get my finances in order, God decided to curse the whole world. It's my fault. I take the blame for it. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a little bit scary. It's amazing how quickly things can change where you can be two weeks ago looking at your wife and saying, man, man. We are in the best financial position we have ever been in our life. God is blessing us. Look what's going on. We finally got our stuff in order. Our biggest time of the year is coming to look at each other literally days later and being like, how long can that stretch? Okay, so it can make it to July. Cool, I'm a worst-case scenario person. It so can make it to July, and if it's not better in July, it takes them about six or seven months to foreclose. So good. The kids have a house for about nine or ten months, worst-case. That's just how my mind thinks. So you go into freak out mode a little bit. The way I freak out mode works for me is it lasts about 30 minutes and I get real pissed off. And I decide, you know what, I ain't going out like that. And I opened up my Bible randomly and this is where it landed this week. Sermon I have preached over and over and over. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by your name. I started getting mad that, I, that our savings account we're going to have to live off of. And then I thought to myself, what an arrogant prick I am. Because two years ago, I didn't have a savings account to live off of. Thank God I have it now. And God provides. God's going to provide for you today. I get your freaking out. But we serve a God who over and over and over financially provides for us. Can I tell you something today? Some of you have never been to this church before. And actually, you're from other churches today. And you walked in this building and you probably thought, wow, what is this place? The old grocery store. Had a lady stop me in England the other day. You the pastor over at Action Church? Yeah. I used to work there with YJ when I was 16. I said, well, I'm sorry you had to know YJ when you were 16. No, I'm just kidding. Like... and. I get it, man. Like, I always joke that this place looks a whole lot better when the lights are off. You know what I mean? But you're sitting today in a miracle. God gave us this building. When we decided to start this church, we had no place to meet. I had never pastored a church in my life that had a building. I had been on staff at churches that ran 3,000 and 4,000 people in high schools. I had been part of churches that met in other churches. I had pastored a church in this community that was almost 1,500 people that met in a movie theater. I'd never had a church that met a building. I knew nothing about buildings. I didn't know anything about it at all. So I drove by one day, and that part over there was for rent. And I called the landlord, and I said, man, can I rent this building? He said, sure. You want to go look? I said, nope. I don't want to look at it. I just want to rent it. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I guess back in the day, this used to be one big space. I guess back in the day, that was a hardware store, this was a, but then the grocery store took it both over. He had walled up the wall, but he hadn't put a door in. So I rented a space that did not have a door to get to the building. I'm, 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 you had to go through the back. If you were to go to the back of our building, you see there's a big walk-in freezer. You had to walk through the freezer. He was like, I'm going to put a door in. I was like, oh, okay. And then, amazing thing, this is a little advice I'm going to give you. If you ever rent a building, you should make sure it has bathrooms. So the bathrooms for that building were over here because it was one building at one time. So I didn't know any of that stuff. I thought you could just meet in a building. I didn't know the city requires you to have a door and bathrooms. So we started meeting. And we met the first week with no power. Because I didn't know you had to call the power company to get the power cut on in commercial property. I was a real smart pastor. Remember we met that with construction lights. I don't know, there's like four of you still left. I ran the rest of them off. And um, second week we meet. Second week I walk out and there's a building inspector. He said, "What are you doing? Having church? Not in that building, you're not. That building's condemned." Oh, so what are you saying? Saying you ain't having church there? For six months we had church in the parking lot. In the parking lot. You know, for six months it never rained one Sunday, and the first Sunday that building it poured. We had someone donate because even back then we had this old school bus and we used to put the homeless people in this school bus. Someone gave us a school bus. that didn't run. I was like, what are we going to do with that? I said, put homeless people in it. So someone gave us all these blankets for the homeless. I didn't use them for the homeless. I used them for our people because it was so cold out there and they'd wrap up in these blankets. It was awesome. And God gave us that building. And we started to outgrow that building. And then we wanted this building. And the landlord told us no and no and no and no. And no, and we're thriving. We had money in the bank. Everything kept telling us no. Then we hit a lick where we weren't thriving and had no money in the bank. And the landlord said, "Hey, you still want that building? If not, I'm gonna rent it to someone else." Now we'll take it. I didn't even tell y'all we were taking it. Stood up and said, "Hey, I'm taking this building next week, and we ain't got no money to pay for it." And this little church raised all the money and did all the work and moved in this building because he supplies the treasury. Over and over and over. in the little church here in the ghetto that's never been about money and all of this stuff, God always supplies. Every time the light bill's about to get cut off, every time the power's about to get cut off, any time the heat's about to get cut off, the times our rent isn't going get, to get paid, God always supplies. You're sitting in a miracle today. You're sitting in a, yeah. And I don't say, listen, I want you to know my heart. I'm not trying to brag when I say, I'm just giving you Reality. I added it up, almost 900 homeless people have slept in this building over the last four and a half years when it was too cold to go somewhere. When the entire city got shut down, I think it was 130 people stayed here for almost a week. Almost every night of the week, there's 20 to 30 people suffering from addiction that meet here going through recovery. Every month, hundreds of people get fed. People come here that wouldn't darken the doors of the church who don't feel accepted in churches because for whatever reason they feel judged, whether it's true or not, it's how they feel and perceptions reality. And they come to the little church in the ghetto and they feel loved and welcomed. And guess what that happens? It happens because God supplies the treasury. You're not, I going to be careful how I word this. We might lose everything through this craziness, but God's going to supply Nonstop. Someone asked me, what are you going to do if you lose everything because the industry? I said, I'll start over. I love starting over. Worst case scenario, I figure it's a one-bedroom apartment with my 732 kids and my wife. Sounds awesome to me. Good thing I like my wife and I like my kids. I'm not worried about those things. I've had a wife for six years tell me this is all that matters is us together. Guess what? She gets to prove that now. God supplies the treasury. God goes into the places you at least expect him to provide, and it's amazing how God provides. There's not a person here today that can stand up and say, God has failed you. (laughs) Nobody like him. Oh, did I tell you that not only am I in the event industry, my wife's in the event industry for Dodge, and all her events got canceled for April 2. You say, you're freaking out? No. Okay, I'm lying. I'm freaking out a little bit. But every time I start to freak out, I remind myself, he supplies the treasury. Some of you need today to remember that God supplies the treasury. You need to go back and think about the times you didn't know how you were going to survive one more second and God came along financially and bailed you out. He's the same God today. So many of you have already hit me up and said, man, my work's been cut back and this has been cut back. But this is picked up and this is picked up. Hey, get after it. You're not going to be able to sit back, but God's going to provide ways for you to provide because ain't nobody like him he scouts the trail he supplies the treasury we're in this together and we'll get through whatever it is and I don't want to overplay because it could be nothing but it could be something huge we'll get through it but what if this happens and what if that I don't live in the land of ifs because that would drive you crazy Living in the land, that if to drive you nothing, it's still going to happen. Just wait for it to happen. I think this is Action Church's time to shine. Because we've always been the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. I've always said, man, we ain't the prettiest group and we ain't the biggest group. But, man, we're the group that will do what no one else is willing to do. We'll get out in the dirt and get dirty to love people. Amen. And there's going to be a world that needs loving out there. That's why we had church today. This wasn't Gary trying to, to, someone said, look at it, Mark. I'm not trying to, I I don't even talk about this church normally on social media. Some of you get mad that I talk about everything but this church. I'm not trying to market anything. We're just doing what we do. And we've been doing for almost eight years now. This doesn't change our mission. Our mission is to go after those that don't have a church home and let them know God loves them. God has a plan for their life and he gave his life for them. Now the opportunity, the fields are white. Ready to harvest like never before. And they need to know that God's scouting the trail. And they need to know that God supplies the treasury. And then I want to remind you of this. He specifies the traveler. I need someone with a preacher. Put that verse up, Xander. Put that verse up. David, stand up for a minute. You've got a big loud voice. You're a loud mouth. David Westbrook, stand up. I want you to read, I know you got your glasses on. Can you read this or you need to come closer? Uh, Read that verse for me. Stop right there. What was that like? I summon you by what? Say it like, like you've got some preacher in you. I summon you by name. Go ahead finish. Thank you. Dad. He told him. he said, listen, I've scouted the trail. I've made the crooked places straight. He said, I've supplied the treasury. He said, I'm going to go to the hidden places and bestow on you things you didn't know exist. And right here he specifies the traveler. He says, Israel, you are my chosen. He said, I have called you by your name. I have bestowed on you a title of honor. Action Church, I want you to know something today. When you didn't know him, he was calling you by your name. When you were out living for yourself, he was preparing you for his mission. When you were in your biggest mess and didn't know what was going on, God said, you keep staying in that mess. I want you to wallow in that mess. I want you to roll around in that mess. I want you to eat that mess. I want you to sleep with that mess. I want you to drink that mess because I'm preparing you. I'm summoning you by your name. I'm going to pull you out of your mess, and I'm going to put you in a place for your biggest ministry. God doesn't make mistakes. I said it all the time. You might have surprised mommy and daddy in the backseat of their car when they were just making out, but you didn't surprise God. He called you by name. He has a plan for your life. He has a will for your life. He has a purpose for your life. But, Gary, you don't know what I, I don't care what you've done. Let me make that real clear. I got my own issues. I don't have time to worry about what you've done. And God don't care either. He's called you by your name. This book is full of people that we would look at in the church today and we wouldn't use. It's full of murderers and thieves and adulterers and liars and snakes and even IRS agents. You can't get much lower than that. And God says, that's the type of people I use. God's not worried if you vote red or if you vote blue. I hate to burst your bubble. He says, I can use whoever I want to whenever I want to use them. God's not worried about the color of your skin. He's not worried about your social standing. He's not worried about your sexual preference. He's not worried if you're broke, busted, and disgusted. God says, hey, I delight in taking those that man say they can't use, and that's who I use. He said, I have called you by your name. Church, this is your time to shine. We can go into freak out mode like the rest of society or we can lift up Jesus like never before. In the midst of the storm, the world's looking for a calming factor. I want to be real careful. No, I don't. I was going to be real careful how I worded this because other pastors might get offended. But I don't really care. It's time for men of God in our community to quit relying on their seminary or their cemetery or seminary degree and quit sitting in their ivy towers over there, ivory towers, not wanting to get out among the people and acting like they've got everything together. We don't need a time of acting like we've got it together. It's not enough to look at people like, it's going to be okay, God's in control. It's a time to get our hands dirty and say, man, God's in control. How can I help you? Can I go help you get food? Can I go help you do this? Hey, can we help you do that? It's going to be a real trying time for the church. And I can't wait to see how this group rises up because he specifies the traveler. Like never, and this ain't about growing our church. I could care less if this church grows ever. If a thousand people come up, we're going to do the same thing that we do if a hundred people show up. But what I care about is the impact this church makes. I want us to be the church that when people in this community are hurting, struggling, about to give up, they say, man, you need to call that church. I I want to be the church that if we closed our doors tomorrow, the community misses us because of the impact that we're making. He summons us by our name. Ain't nobody like him. I am God. God. And there is no other. He scouts the trail. He supplies the treasury. He specifies the traveler. Ain't nobody like him. Listen to me and I'm done. We're going to go eat. And we're going to dunk some people first. (laughs) Then we're going to eat. We got this. I don't know what this is, because it ain't unfolded yet. But no matter what it is, we got this. Because he's got this, ain't nobody like him. Let's pray.